What is up, hoopers, analytics, bad guys, bucket getters, boosters, blue bloods, and new bloods? On today's episode, we are breaking down a way too early top 25. Yeah, ahead of schedule, way ahead of schedule. June 1st hasn't even come around, but you know what? We got a definitive list that sure as hell is going to hold up water and hold weight. Hey, who fans, how would you like to get a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500? Join BetUS with promo code NEWBLOODS. That's N-E-W-B-L-O-O-D-S at BetUS.com, where the game begins. Hello, Hooperol. My name is Seth Clary. I write for Slippers Little Fits and Busting Brackets. And joining me today, when he's not receiving a wellness check for his support of the New York Mets and Jets, he's producing and writing for Heat Check. It's Connor Hope. Right? Am I supposed yeah. to say anything? Yeah, you can do yeah, like, it. Hey, what up, guys? Or whatever you want to do. Yeah, however you, you want to do it. <laughs> if you don't want to say anything, I'm not going to force you to say something. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to talk anyways, right? Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> No, I, I appreciate every time coming on on the New Bloods podcast. Um, this episode and and what we've prepared is going to be pretty exciting. I'm I'm glad I'm a part of this particular episode, so it's going to be pretty fun. And he's waxing poetics in front of an ensemble of half burnt candles, whispering into the air. It's the man with the legs, Josh Linky. These legs are long, gentlemen. Many a long nights waiting, wandering, wondering whether or not certain gentlemen will be courting your favor. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Let's get to let's get down to business. Uh, we did a preseason top twenty-five mock draft, picking the teams that we thought would be the best teams in the country in 2022-2023. Connor, you had the first pick. Who was your pick? So this is going to probably surprise a lot of people um, because there's there's a bunch of teams that are up at the top. Uh, I went with a team that I was a little bit higher on than I think most people last year. Um, they got hit with the injury bug early, uh, but still managed to make it to the Elite Eight. Were an incredibly coached team, great on defense. They returned some of their biggest players, um, and they're just waiting really on one key draft decision in Marcus Sasser. I went with Houston number one. I know that's going to rub a lot of people to surprise a lot of people. Um, but Houston has one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, they return most of their minutes, um, and, and have the highest ranked recruit, uh, in, in Houston history in top 10 recruit, Jarris Walker. Um, so this is one of those teams that has the ability to be even better than last year, better than the year before, um, and compete for a national championship. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. If I had the first pick, Houston was going to be my pick as well. I think Jairus Walker is absolutely going to be a difference maker and that key addition. If everything goes according to plan and Sasser comes back and Lofton commits, um, I agree. I think Houston's probably the odds on favorite, but there's still a couple of ifs there. So I'm, I'm being a little, I guess, pessimistic at this point, just for maybe, maybe because I'm as a Zag fan, I kind of hope Lofton might end up in, in Spokane if Timmy uh, decides to stay in the draft. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think a lot of people too are looking at Houston and, and kind of there's a sour taste in their mouth after the way that game against Villanova went. Um, but look, if Sasser comes back, 
they're going to have plenty of scoring. I mean, is they're not going to be, are they going to be a high scoring team? Like, you know, a Gonzaga or a Duke or, or one of those other teams? No. Um, but they're, they're going to, you know, be on their defensive game minute from one to minute 40 every game. And they're going to have plenty of points uh, on the board. And, and I think that they're likely if all things fall the way they uh, hope, which it's looking like more and more likely as, as the weeks go by, I, I just have a hard time not seeing them opening up number one. So the Houston Cougars go number one. I had the number two pick and uh, maybe falling a little bit into the trappings of 2021's uh, UCLA Bruins team and, and that idea of like a magical uh, surge in the last two months of the season will bode well for them. I still really, really like the this, the core of this team, and that team is the North Carolina Tar Heels. Pretty much their entire team's coming back, say Br- Br- Brady Manick. And then you've got key additions um, still looming in the portal. Uh, they, they also have Seth Trimble, Jalen Washington, coming in uh Tyler Nickel could also help add some depth to the front court it seems like they have the pieces it's just a matter of whether or not Caleb Love and, and company are going to be able to match what they did last year yeah I, they kind of remind me a little bit of like the hype surrounding UCLA coming into last season coming off that really hot deep run in the tournament unexpected of course and but I, th- I think the thing about UNC that's that's really interesting is the fact that Baycott is coming back and he provides such a anchor in the post for that program. Um, something that UCLA didn't quite have for most of the early season this year and really never quite got going as the season progressed. So, you know, if Caleb Love and RJ Davis um, go in fuego for, you know, as they're capable of doing for, for parts of this season. And then Baycott provides that, that steadying influence. This team has the experience to really make, um, you know, an impressive run this season. Yeah. And unlike UCLA where their run was really, I mean, it was, it was really that run through March. Um, it, it seemed like their run was more, nothing was missing. They, everything was falling. For UNC, after that pit loss, something started to click. They play a more efficient style of basketball than UCLA did. Um, Not a ton of mid-range shots, a a lot of threes, a lot of shots around the rim, which which tends to be more efficient, tends to carry over, I think, a little bit better than a hot shooting mid-range game uh, that UCLA had two tournaments ago. Um, I really like Armando Baycott. I, I think that guard play while it's not the most consistent is really high powered. You know, if things don't fall the way we, that Houston wants them to, I mean, right now, as it currently stands, UC, UNC is probably the number one team set up for next year. What we're looking at with Houston and a couple of others is, you know, it looks like Sasser's probably coming back. So those things have, do have to play into this, but UNC, if, if the season were to start tomorrow, and everyone in the draft were to stay, UNC probably opens up number one. Yeah, and you know, with, with the number three pick, um, I had to go with with Kentucky. I f- I feel like Kentucky is one of those teams, like in recent years, where so many people are either sleeping on them um, or they're just underachieving. 
So it's it's like one or the other. And this this season, I feel like they just have enough coming back experience wise with the reigning national player of the year in Shibway, um, with the point guard play of Severe Willer, uh, assuming that he's going to be healthy. And then the possible emergence of guys like Jacob Toppin at, at uh, you know, at the four, um, CJ Frederick coming back from injury and, you know, the shooting that he could provide that would help maybe replace some of what they lost with Kellen Grady. Um, and then, you know, they got some really, really impressive talents coming in, um, you know, in Case and Wallace. Um, one of the he's the eighth ranked player in the country combo guard out of Richardson, Texas. And then you got Chris Livingston, who's um, a fantastic player as well in his own right out of Oak Hill, 11th best player in the country, according to 24 um, seven. And then they added Antonio Reeves in the in the the portal out of Illinois State. And he, he scored 20 points per game last year with them. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think Kentucky's just set up to to kind of put together some of those pieces for the first time in in you know, while, and uh, maybe Calipari gets his, his fan base back behind him again. Yeah. I, I, I feel like Kentucky's consistently under undervalued in a lot of ways headed into seasons, severe Wheeler going into a senior campaign and Oscar Shibway. That's a pretty, pretty formidable combination of backcourt front court. And with the additions that they're getting, as always, through the portal and with Kaysen, uh, Kaysen Wallace, that's just that's just going to be a tough team. To- yeah, you, you you go with Oscar Shibway, who's the first Naismith winner to return to college since Tyler Hansborough. You have Xavier Wheeler, um, who's going to play on the ball. He's going to be that point, that steady hand at the point guard, has the experience. And you just put scoring talent around those two. You know, when you have CJ Frederick, who's likely to come off the bench, being that option off the bench and can shoot 45 plus from three, like you're, you're looking at a team that has plenty of scoring, you know, a, a hog when it comes to rebounds. And one of the more underappreciated point guards, I feel like still in the country in Wheeler, it's, it's going to be tough to beat Kentucky and, and they have. I mean, it's just Kentucky too. And I feel like people don't give Calipari enough credit for his ability to coach mainly because he recruits at such a high level that I think his coaching capabilities, you know, especially when they fall short are what's often criticized. Right. It's interesting. We have Kentucky as the first sec team off the board, considering some of the uh, national conversations uh, that have come this off season. And in pretty much as soon as the, final four wrapped up connor who is your four who is the fourth team on this list i'm gonna go with the team that at the end of this season i feel like if you're looking back at the past two seasons in this season will be considered probably the best team of that three season stretch and i'm gonna go with baylor um look they return lj crier and flagler Uh, they bring in guys like jalen bridges you know, Caleb Lohner never really caught on at BYU and he's not a score. He's not going to be a high scoring player, but I feel like he fits what they need in a power forward more than someone like Matthew Meyer did where they don't need someone that's going to score a bunch of points. They need someone who's going to play kind of very physical defense. Um, it's just, you know, I, I understand they lose Meyer Brown, Sohan, uh, Kinjo, um, but it's Scott Drew, who's a top five coach, I'm convinced now in the country. 
Um, and you know, they've got plenty of shooting, uh, they've got plenty of experience and they have Keontae George coming in as well. So like, it's just everything set where I feel like Baylor once again is going to be one of those teams that's pretty easily going to find its way onto that one line. Yeah. I I think it's interesting trading, trading Meyer who has a certain type of swag for, potentially the swaggiest player of all time, according to Mark Pope at BYU and in, in, in Caleb Loner. Um, I wonder, honestly, how much Cougar tell he consumed while at BYU. It's, it's an interesting, you know, uh, juxtaposition going from LDS to, you know, Baylor, Bad. which is, yeah, the, the Baptist uh, is it, university. <laughs> is is it, it? I feel like the repression but, is going to be, you know, at an all-time high yet again for the swaggiest man in America. Well, yeah, and that's true, yeah, I, I think I think with Keontae that this team is going to absolutely be yet again one of the most formidable teams in the Big Twelve. Scott Drew, he his drip game hasn't improved yet, but he's there's still there's still room for him to get better and, and usurp Bill Self as the as the Adidas school of the South. All right, so my number five pick. He's gone, but he's not forgotten. For Coach K, it is the Duke Blue Devils. Do we have any immediate reactions to me trusting in John Shire as much as I do? Well, I I don't know if it's trusting in John Shire as much as trusting in Jeremy Roche to be able to be that point guard that can lead an essentially all freshman team around him to be that top five team, right? It's Jeremy Roche might be the most important player in the country in terms of just an individual bringing a team together that, you know, could f- just fall apart. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how that, that winds up. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And while it did seem like he was turning a quarter corner in the ACC tournament and then in the NCAA tournament, he definitely, you know, had some room to improve. I mean, he had a 76 offensive rating in that North Carolina game with eight points, five assists, and two turnovers. But he, he seemed pretty up to the task of being the facilitator for a team loaded with talent, which is what it's going to be again. Future hopeful, hopefully for Tristan Freeman, future Pitt Panther Joey Baker is in the portal, which to me signals that Trevor Keels is likely to return which adds a little bit more experience and depth to a very talented roster. I, I'm sorry. I, I guess I'm just not sold that a first year coach and granted, I know what Hubert Davis did in North Carolina this year. Tommy Lloyd. That's true. Tommy Lloyd, Arizona as well, but I'm just Mark not Adams. sold. <laughs> I'm not sold that this team is going to, you know, punch a ticket to the final four or anything like that. It's a lot of talent coming in. There is no doubt in my mind that John Shire can recruit. We've, we've already seen it, but I don't know. I mean, it, it just, it, to me also feels like we, we have said a few times this off season, how is Arkansas going to juggle all the talent coming in on their roster how is John Shire going to juggle all the talent coming into Duke's roster? Like that, I, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, Coach K, I, be, I believe it. But with Shire, this man does not have the experience. He doesn't have 40 years of juggling five-star talents every single season. I, I don't know. I don't buy it yet. 
I'm I'm completely fascinated by the dynamic. Um, for some reason, every single press release coming out of Duke's men's basketball program currently has a pull quote from Coach Chichetsky still, which I'm not entirely sure why. On on player announcements of returning or going pro, um, it's it looks like he's still in the office doing his thing. So like. If there is the ability for that coaching staff to focus primarily on basketball and not saying goodbye to someone indefinitely, I think Duke's in good shape still. Yeah, they're going to be that team. I feel like you you go in, you look at who they play. They can win any game that they play. They could also lose virtually any game that they play. And, and they're going to be that team similar to some teams, you know, over the past couple of years where. I think Alabama is a great example of last year's Alabama team is a great example of this. You know, they could beat the top teams in the country. And then for some reason against uh, Pittsburgh or a Clemson or somewhat, some other team, uh, you know, in their ACC, they lose by 15, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's going to be a roller coaster ride for Duke, but I agree. I think at the end of the, by the end of the season, they should be in a pretty good spot to at least make a second weekend. Um, if not go further. Oh, I thought you were projecting 15 and 15 since they could win or lose any game. Josh wants it to be Memphis <laughs> so bad. <laughs> okay, Josh, number six on the list. Who is your second team? Okay, this this might be the most shocking pick of the entire top 25. I'm only and, more I'm only shocked that it wasn't the third pick, to be honest with you. And and yeah, it could have been. Um, you know, if certain things happen, but Gonzaga. I mean, come on. Like this this program is is primed to come back and be as strong as ever. And I'm I'm gonna throw it at you, Connor, here. I think the Zags just have just as much acclaim at that best team over the last three years as Baylor. Forget that national championship. That was one game. One game doesn't matter as much as the rest. So, you know, look, Efton Reed's coming in. We've got the potential that maybe Timmy, maybe Strother, maybe Bolton come back. Um, really, the two guys we're losing, Nemhard and Holmgren, are both going to probably be first-round picks at this point. You've seen the NBA scouting reports uh, coming out of the combine with, with Nemhard. Um, you know, Anton Watson is primed to – to come in and, and just explode onto the scene. It's, it's his time to shine. He's ready. He's been, he's been working at his game all, all his career. And it's, it's, you know, he's two years removed off of some significant shoulder injuries. We've got Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas, five-star backcourt ready to roll. I've heard some really good things about Hunter Salas in this off season. And, you know, there's some secret crushes out there that y'all might not know about yet. Uh, there's some Valentines we've been writing, some some love letters, maybe some, you know, some some uh, haikus that might be going on right now behind the scenes. So, you know, be patient. There's some real big news on its way. I know a guy. <laughs> Let me ask this. Let me ask this. Realistically, if Drew Timmy does not return to this team, Will Gonzaga be ranked in the top 10 at any point in this season outside of perhaps the preseason rankings? I think it's possible that they could be ranked in the top 10 at some point. I don't know if it will be deserving uh, without Timmy because you're looking at a potential national player of the year candidate again uh, if he does return. So that's a lot to lose. And, you know, that's – Really, the, the same reason that we were talking about with North Carolina, that, that steadiness that Baycott offers, you know, with his 400-plus field goal attempts um, at the two-point 
um, you know, area on the court. Timmy, Timmy brings that same level of like consistent, uh, you know, takes the pressure off the offense, takes the pressure off the younger guys by being present in that low post. And without, without, him in the picture things do get a little bit more dicey um that doesn't mean that somebody like anton can't come in and like take that next jump or efton can't come in and make that next jump so you know anything's possible at this point my only concern if timmy doesn't return is what adjustments if any does the coaching staff make to the tempo at which they play because the past two years gonzaga has played the fastest offense in the country. And Drew Timmy was a huge reason why they could do that. He could start the break. He could, you know, slash to the rim, which, you know, I I understand he preferred to work in that low post, but there were times where he could, you know, take the ball and and attack. Um, Do I trust Anton or Efton Reed to do that? You know, Anton, we've, we've seen it. We haven't a little bit inconsistent. Efton, I don't trust it. They might have to slow the game down. And, and are they willing to do that? I'm sure they're, they're, you know, that's going through their minds right now. It's one of the best coaching staffs in the country. Um, if they slow the game down without Drew Timmy, I, I absolutely, I think that they can do that. It'll be one of the better defensive teams in the country um, if they do that. But if they still try and speed it up, without a big that allows them to play at that pace. That's where I I have a little bit of hesitancy for, for Gonzaga. If Drew Timmy doesn't return just because of that, because you're going to see a lot of offensive sets. I feel like where you're going to have a lagging big coming down the floor. And and that's not something you want. I just wonder like personnel wise, if, if coach few decides to maybe go more four out, um, you know, play more on the perimeter and really adjust his system um, kind of like he had to do in 2017 with a roster that really wasn't at the offensive aptitude as maybe some, you know, other teams we've had um, and had to play, you know, more of a, a plotting slower defensive style, um, you know, to, to get through some of those games. This, this program, this team this year could be one of the best perimeter defensive teams we've ever seen, depending upon if some of these moves happen in the, in the portal or guys come back that we possibly think could, um, you know, I I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I want to see, I want to see a few, you know, go into his uh, toolkit and, you know, put together something interesting for the fans this year. So that in 2021, not just in 2017, Corey Kisper basically played the four for that team. And that's pretty, I would trust Julian Strother at the four spot as much as Corey Kispert on defense, in all honesty. I'm just curious. You don't have to say who you think, but how many of that starting five do you think is going to be back? Does anybody want to throw out a number? From of the three guys that we think could come back, which how many of the three do we think will be back? Right. Um, I'll say two out of three. Yeah, I, I think the over under is probably one and a half, and, and um, I'm going to go two. Okay, that's I, actually progress, Connor, because I think earlier this season you were on the under on that, weren't you? I was on the under. I I um was a lot more well. I wouldn't even say more confident in Strother coming or leaving. Um, but I I, I do think that 
given what we've seen, there's a lot of promise there for Strother, but it's really going to be him as the first option if he returns. And, and I think that's something that's very enticing for a guy who's looking at probably a second round pick, um, but could work his way into the first round given the opportunity he'll have next year. I got to ask, is that like cap- capital H I M when you say him? Yeah, it's a, it's an acronym. He's him. He's him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So top six has been selected. Connor, who is the seventh team in our rankings? Oh, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt Gonzaga fans. I feel like after um, some, some of the, uh, a little bit of the gamesmanship that went on this off season. Uh, I'm not as high on them as a lot of people. And I don't think any of us in here are as high on them as a lot of people um, because I don't trust teams that are put together exclusively through the transfer portal. Um, but Arkansas has too much talent. I feel like to ignore once you get outside this top five, right? We get outside the top five. We pick a Gonzaga team. That's always been in the top three. I think Arkansas has to be that next team picked because they just have too much talent coming in, uh, especially, I don't know if Jalen Williams has, has made his decision yet on whether he's, he's coming back. He's staying in. He's coming. He's staying in. The yeah, draft? He's, he's going to stay okay. in. Okay. Well, I mean, it was ancillary at that point. Now they just don't have to get rid of somebody. Um, but uh, it's, you know, Eric Musselman does an ex- incredible job in the transfer portal. Um, and I understand that Anthony Black being likely the primary point guard. I don't know how that dynamic's going to work. He might be the off-ball guard. There might be a little bit of issues at the point guard position determining who's going to be the primary ball handler. Just a little bit. But <laughs> but this team, I feel like, is there's a ton of talent. They've made it to uh, you know two straight. Uh, elite eights um it's it's going to be a a fun ride for arkansas um whether they make a third second weekend in a row we'll see because just like texas last year you know the wheels can fall off early and just never quite get back on um but i i enjoy the talent that's going to uh to be there for eric musselman to play with I will say to temper things, I'm only I'm only suggesting that Jalen Williams is gone because that's been the language. Um, it, it's there's been the faintest possibility that he returns, but Eric Musselman's pretty much been aggressively pitching Jalen Williams as his for sure draft pick. He tested well at the combine. He did well. It seems all all intents and purposes that he's gone. If Jalen Williams is gone, there's going to be a lot, a lot of dependence on the Mitchell twins that just transferred from Rhode Island. Uh, they both they both went as a joint package, not just because they're twins, but they really didn't get the opportunities that they were looking for with Rhode Island. Largely, I, I'm in complete agreement with Connor that the guard play is going to really dictate how successful or how close they reach their ceiling is because the ceiling is incredibly high. But... If we've learned anything from Eric Musselman over the last handful of years is he's not afraid to go with the hot hand and make a call and just stash whoever isn't in his favor at the at the end of the bench. I I really have nothing to say about Arkansas. That's that's it. Okay. <laughs> Number 8 on our list. 
I, I match that energy with the Tar Heels. Let's go with another returning crop of talent. Number eight, the UCLA Bruins. There's still a lot to be decided. I think it's Johnny Jeezing is for sure gone. There's He's pretty much made it clear that he hired an agent that wouldn't retain his eligibility. Peyton Watson is gone, and we're not sh- entirely sure why. <laughs> and in all in all likelihood, G- uh, Amy Hawkes returns, Tiger Campbell returns. Still, the jury's out on Jules Bernard. He's testing well. He's doing well in these uh, uh, doing well in these visits with NBA teams, so he could be gone. But I just really, really love. Tiger Campbell and Hamie Hawk as, as dependable backcourt frontcourt players. I think if they're there, they instantly raise the floor to a team that can compete and win the Pac-12. And who knows what we get with Amari Bailey. It, I've seen that Amari Bailey's stock has dipped a little bit in these top 150 rankings. But honestly, that's that's a very talented frontcourt player, depending on how much leash uh, Mick Cronin gives him because we didn't see a lot from Peyton Watson the year before. Yeah, I think I think Amari Bailey is a very talented player, and but it, you know the same way that we saw with Peyton Watson this year, we don't really know how that translates with Mick's system. I do think that Jalen Clark is due for an uptick um, this season. Um, he's kind of like been their defensive perimeter ace um, last season. Uh, put in, you know, he would put him in at like key moments when they needed that defensive stopper. And I think that he could make a, a jump, you know, offensively this year too. So I, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where they maybe don't return as much as they returned last year, but they might actually be better for that than maybe, than maybe we, we think. Um, I, I agree that Jules Bernard is likely gone. I think that, you know, if he gets any sort of guarantee that he's, he's out, but um, you know, Jaime Hawkes is, is he going to be the Pac-12 player of the year? Probably not, but he's exceptionally talented. He's incredibly tough and, you know, highly experienced. And he brings just so much to the table that this team could rally around both him and Tiger all the way to, you know, maybe like an elite eight run or something like that in the tournament this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest blow, well, first of all, I think they returned the two players that they needed to return to set the table for a successful season. I, I understand Juzang and Bernard were great offensive weapons, but Tiger Campbell was one of the best point guards in the country. And Jaime Jaquez was the best player on that team. And so returning those two players and setting up some solid talent around them, I think bodes well. Where I'm a little bit iffy is now that Miles Johnson has decided he's departing to focus on engineering, what happens with the front court? Because you've got Nwuba, who is a solid enough player. Um, and, and I and I understand they're not looking for scoring from their bigs. Uh, you've got Adam Bona, a, a four-star coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what's going on with Mac Etienne. I think he's still on the roster, but um, we'll, we'll see where that goes. I feel like that dude's been like flirting with transferring for 14 months. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they, they just, 
they just have two of the best players in the Pac-12. And so even if they're not as good as they were expected to be last year, I mean, they're still going to be competing at the top of the Pac-12 because a uh, top eight to 15 team is right where the top of that Pac-12 has been the past couple of years. So I'm really intrigued with Bona just from the fact that like he plays such a clearly different style than the front court players last season played. I think the fact that he's a lob threat, that he's very athletic, that he's fast, could could help with some tempo stuff and get some high percentage shots that we really did not see last season. So that's the number eight pick. Josh, who do you have? Yeah, so um, I think I'm going Jesuit again here. I got to go with Creighton. I think that we're looking at a, a program that for, for most of the, like most of their history, they've never quite been able to get over that sweet 16 hump um, and become, you know, like that perennial power that maybe some of the rosters in the past might've been capable of. Um, and to, to bring back really so much on, on this roster, guys like Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander, uh, Kaluma, Kalkbrenner, but then add to that the offensive prowess that Baylor Shireman brings from South Dakota State um, is really exceptional uh, for this team. And I think I think this is hands down, in my opinion right now, the Big East favorite. Like there's not really – this is a league that's a little light at the top this year, and Creighton has every chance to potentially pull this out and, and win that league um, and, and maybe – potentially find their way to the elite eight for the first time in program history this year. So, you know, anything's possible uh, for the, for the Jays. And, you know, I'm also really intrigued by one of the incoming freshmen, Jason green out of uh, Millard North. He's a former teammate of Hunter Salas. Um, not necessarily really highly rated right now, but um, he brings a lot of, a lot of talent to, to the team and some depth. Um, you know, maybe he won't quite impact the game as much this year, but but will be in a key part of the program going forward. Yeah, I mean, Creighton, and what we need to real remember is that Creighton, they finished fourth in the Big East last year. Um, they, you know, did better, I think, in the in the tournament than most people expected from them. Um, Nemhard is, is going to be healthy, which he wasn't at the end of last year. And they have some... You know, you bring in Baylor Shireman, who is there. I mean, he is that that trophy that they won this offseason in the transfer portal. But don't forget, they bring in uh, Franc Francisco Farabello, who shoots like 40% from three. Um, you put him alongside Alexander, alongside Nemhard, alongside, you know, some of these other scoring threats and just let him catch and shoot. Like that's a bench uh, player that you, any team in the country would love to have. And especially a team like Creighton that has relied for so long on their perimeter scoring. Next on the list, number 10. Who do you have, Connor? I don't know if this is because I love the roster right now, especially with some of the unknowns in, in the draft process, or whether it's just giving them the respect that they're due. But I've got the defending national champions, Kansas, at number 10. Um, th they bring in some of the, one of the better uh, rookie or freshman classes in the country. Jalen Wilson, I believe is back that that's confirmed. I think they're just waiting on, on Brown now. Um, they, they landed Kevin McCuller 
who is one of the better defensive guards, you know, might want to play a little bit more on ball. Um, but they have Dewan Harris as well, who can play some point guards. So you, you add, then you have Grady Dick, who I'm sure is going to be the next most hated player in college basketball. And, and it's just a recipe for a team that I feel like is going to base, be that team that stays, stays in the top 10, the entire season. And they might be higher than 10, um, you know, for most of the season, but I don't know if their ceiling is as high as some of the other teams that we've named, but certainly I think their floor is one of the highest in the country. Yeah. I definitely think that Kansas is the top 10 team, if not better, if Jalen Wilson returns. Cause I feel like he has all the machinations of a player that's going to take a huge, huge step. Yeah. I, I think as long as Jalen Wilson's back, I, I think this team's going to be solid uh, without him. Maybe there's a little bit of, you know, question marks um, as far as the leadership that's there. But, um, you know, I, I think the incoming freshmen are maybe not – I'm not as high on them as maybe some people are, but overall the talent pool and then the the coaching prowess of Bill Self, like there's no question that Kansas is going to be in the mix somewhere. So we have Kansas at number 10. Number 11, I took the Arizona Wildcats, and that's largely dependent if Dalen Terry comes back. If Dalen Terry comes back, which he said that he would if he does not get a first-round guarantee, Dalen Terry comes back. I think that, once again, Arizona has playmakers at multiple positions, which is going to be huge. Zulus Tabellis, hopefully he's he gets right and healthy this offseason. And if when he's 100%, He's a workhorse, legitimately. I think, honestly, if he's fully healthy, this is the year that he wins Pac-12 Player of the Year. Um, a lot is going to come from Kirk Creese and whether or not Kirk Creese can become consistent. But they have enough that I don't think they're going to match the level that they were last season just because they don't have the incoming players at this point. But Dale and Terry, Kirk Creese, Azula Sabellis, and... Who knows? Umar Balo in a larger role could be very, very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they have a secret crush of their own in the portal. Um, I don't know. So anything's possible at Arizona. I agree on Tubelis, uh, Pac-12 player of the year favorite my, from, for myself as well. I think I think his usage will be such um, with that program this year that it's it would be hard for me to see him not at least finishing in that like top three range um, in that conference for, for player of the year. And like you said, Dale and Terry really like everything hinges on, on him returning. If he's not back uh, yeah, maybe they're not even top 25. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to see the depth there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw Umar Balo do enough last year where he's not going to be Christian Coloco but he can at least do kind of what they need from him in that similar role. Um, Dale and Terry is the only player right now that I could see picking up that Matherin role that give him the ball when you just need buckets. Um, if they have to rely on, you know, cause Tabellis isn't going to create his own shots. So after that, who are they going to rely on? Right. It's probably going to be Kirk reset. If you have to rely on Kirk reset to create, his own shots and get you buckets to, to, you know, either close deficits or close out games. Like that's not a team that I'm going to have in my top 20, top 25, 
But if you have Dale and Terry there to do that, and Kirk Creasa just needs to focus on getting more consistent and more efficient, then you're talking about a team that I'm confident putting in my top 15 to top 20, because it's a team that just has too much talent on the roster, right? Because once you get past that top seven at that point, you're looking at teams that do you have enough talent to compete for that final four spot? And I think Arizona does, assuming Terry comes back. No Terry and no Matherin is going to make those 0 for 6, 0 for 7 from 3 Kirk Creesa first half games real, real interesting this season. Josh. Or less, or less oh. interesting because the scores won't be as close, right? He <laughs> yeah. goes 0 for 6 without Dale and Terry or, or Ben Matherin. They're down by 25 by the half. Oh, a lot of variants already once we get out of the top 10. Josh, who is your 12th pick? I'm going with Tennessee. And, you know, they, they did lose a lot in Kennedy Chandler to the draft. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know if he was a huge part of the roster last year, but Brandon Huntley Hatfield to, to Louisville. Um, and, and, you know, the decision looms on Santiago Viscovi, whether he's going to be back or not. Um, but I really love what they bring back in Zakai Ziegler, um, Josiah Jordan James. There's a lot of um, you know experience and talent there. Um, Ziegler was a huge surprise last year for that roster, and I think he could be a real calming presence in that backcourt this year. Um, I also really love the transfer they got from uh, from Indiana State, um, Tyree Key. He's a 6'3 scoring guard. He averaged about 17 points a game last year for the Sycamores, and he's top six all time in scoring at Indiana State. And we're talking like Ooh. with guys like Larry Bird and you know whatnot in the mix. So, um, and then of course adding somebody like Julian Phillips, who is a top 15 player in the country. They added him late um, out of the this recruiting class, and you know I, I think he's going to be a big piece of of what they do this year in the front court. Um, yeah, yeah I, I just think I think. Rick Barnes has enough pieces here to be a big player in the SEC this season. Yeah, Julian Phillips is for sure a lottery pick next year. And anytime you can add a lottery pick to your team, that's already going to push you higher. And Ziegler, Ziegler being a returning guard. Yeah, Kennedy Chandler is was by far the most talented player on that team last year. But Ziegler felt he felt like the the life force for that team in a lot of ways. Yeah, very, very high energy guy. And, you know, he might be five foot nine on a good day. Um, but I I just love his his like pit bull energy that he brings to that to that team. Okay. Number 13 on the list. Our first Big Ten sighting, Connor Hope. Big Ten, I mean, if the if the Big East is thin at the top, I think the Big Ten is, is right there with them. Um, look, they were they were the second number one seed two years ago to fall after after losing their star player to an injury. They were the house money team last year uh, that went further than people thought because many people thought they shouldn't be in the tournament. I went with Michigan, and, and I understand there are two huge decisions or. I should say there's a huge decision in Musa Diabate and then Caleb Houston, who I've heard might have a first round promise, might not. He's for me, I think a little bit less important to return than Diabate is for Michigan, but you bring in Jalen Llewellyn, you return the most annoying player in the country, but a talented player nonetheless in Hunter Dickinson. (laughs) And 
you know, it's, it's a team that's going to play like their coach and they're going to play with a lot of fight and they're going to throw some punches and they're going to do extremely well sometimes and, and not well other times. But I feel like as a team right outside the top 10 with the talent they have coming in, the talent they're returning, um, it, to me, I like the roster makeup even without the two that we're waiting on. I like the roster makeup a little bit more this year than I did last year. I feel like Llewellyn either running the point or being that second ball, secondary ball handler um, gives them a lot more kind of spacing and a lot greater ability to distribute the ball this year than they had last year, where it was kind of Eli Brooks and no one else. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed your um, throwing punches reference. That was that was excellent. It was like an open hand. They're going to throw open hands. Come yeah. on. Let's, let's be open-handed. Let's punches. be generous. Uh, shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers that wanted uh, Howard to leave the Michigan Wolverines to be LeBron's personal assistant. That was, that was a bold, <laughs> bold move. Uh, number 14 on the list, I have another SEC team. This is not homerism, which is what Josh Linky is shaking his head at right now. The Auburn Tigers, folks, they're back. And they're not back in, 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 a, in a haphazard way. They're back. They're fully committed. Uh, I think that legitimately that front court with Johan Traore, Jalen Williams, and the addition of transfer Johnny Broom is one of the best front courts in the country. Without a doubt, Traore... Give spacing because his mid-range game is so strong. The question is the backcourt. And what we're not talking enough about is Chance Westry, who is an incoming freshman who's 6'6", that can play on or off the ball. He's a great perimeter shooter. He's only improving. If he can shoot 37 38% from three, I think this team has a higher ceiling than they're getting credit for. And... We show so much benefit of the doubt to upperclassmen guards. Why aren't we showing that that love and respect to Wendell Green? Why are we showing it? I mean, he just posted a highlight video where half of it was him drilling threes from the logo, which, you know, let's see if he tries that in the game. He will try that again in the game. Uh, and he's <laughs> throwing dimes. And if he's... If, honestly, I think the big difference is that Johnny Broom is going to demand the ball more than Walker Kessler did. Walker Kessler only shot seven times a game last season. I think that Johan has a better ability to create off the dribble and create his own shot than Jabari did. I don't think he has the shooting that Jabari had in the slightest, but I think that there are the components to have a team that produces better than even the team last year, regardless of the talent discrepancy between Jabari and Walker and Johnny and Johan. Look, I'm I am not a hater in this situation, Tuck. You can't paint As me you into that shake corner. your head. How are you not a hater? <laughs> I just I'm a realist, okay? And and this 14! is this is this 14! is just me for all our Auburn listeners out there, all five or four of you, three whoever seed. it is. Three seed. <laughs> I just I, I see a program that has a markedly worse front court than they had last year, which was one of the greatest front courts in the, in the nation. And I see a program that did not answer 
the backcourt questions at all this offseason. Actually, shockingly so. Like, I feel like it's like that was like as blatant a need as any team in the country had coming into this offseason. And somehow they were basically, well, we'll just kind of go with what we got and hope it works again. And it's it's not. I, I just don't. I, I think Auburn is probably a top 25 team. But I don't think they're anywhere close to – well, I mean, it's you – know, You don't think they're anywhere maybe. close to 14? I, I don't know. I'm just – I'm not – I don't think that they're going to make any noise close to the top 10 this year. I'm, I'm sorry. I just – and I know 14 is not top 10, but I'm just saying. Like, I, I don't know. I the, the disrespect you have for Johnny Broom right now is wild considering how badly you wanted him as a Gonzaga Bulldog. I'm just going to say that point I blank. love Johnny Broom. I think he's excellent. But he is not Walker Kessler, and Johan Traore is much as great as great of a young player as he is. Is not Jabari Smith. I'm. He's not the shooter that. Okay, you know what? I'm not going to fight this anymore. Connor, okay. do you have any? My, my dog wanted to get in on the on the action. Um, <laughs> I think this is a team that, if you see the development or at least steps forward in efficiency from the backcourt, could be as good, maybe slightly better offensively. For as good as Janai Broom was defensively, he is not the catch-all remedy on defense that Walker Kessler was. He is not going to be the player that Walker Kessler could be where he just, he could eliminate your perimeter defensive mistakes and erase that poor defense because that's who he was. Similar to what Chet did for Gonzaga last year where even if you beat your man on the perimeter and you attack the basket, Walker Kessler was there to just make that all for not. Janai Broom is a fantastic post defender, but I don't know if he's going to be what Walker Kessler was. And granted, Walker Kessler wasn't that at North Carolina. So Broom could certainly be that. He's not quite as big and as long as Walker Kessler. So you do lose some of that. Um, but I do think that, you know, He's an offensive step up from Kessler. Traore is probably a step down or definitely a step down from, from uh, Jabari. Um, so I, I just, for me, it's that you're going to win and lose with Wendell Green and Katie Johnson. And if you trust the two of them, then sure, have, have Auburn as high as, you know, close to the top 10. If you don't trust those two um, or you think, you know, or you don't think Flanagan's going to return to what he was two years ago. Like I, I just, there's a lot of moving parts in that backcourt that have to go well, because they're going to be making up for a lot of points that they didn't have to make up for last year. And, and I, I just want to say for a certain someone that might be listening to this podcast, I believe that Alan Flanagan, if healthy, if playing at his best ability, he's that wild card there. So if anybody's going to take this team to that next level, it's not going to be Broom. It's not going to be Traore. It's going to be Alan Flanagan. If he is, I, I really think it's Flanagan. I think Flanagan has the potential to be a star at this level. But that is a, it's a big if right now because we don't know 100% where he's at or where he's going to be, you know, in a few months. So, it's just something to keep an eye on. And, you know, I could change my tune once I see them play. And if Flanagan is, is meeting those expectations, then maybe, maybe I, I, you know, eat crow. So. And apologies to Janai Broom for calling him Johnny for two months. 
Yeah, me too. I had no idea that it was Janai. And I've watched, I used to watch Warhead play here and there. So, oops. It, it It's a, I used to call him Johnny too. And, and Brian uh, got on me for that. Um, especially since we've had a guest call it him Mick Cronin or not Mick, Mike Cronin instead of Mick mm. Cronin. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we've been a little bit more uh, precise with how we say names. Um, but I, I had no idea it was Janai until, you know, two months ago. To be fair, I do routinely mispronounce Brian's last name as well. So yep. uh, we're an equal opportunity mispronunciation enthusiasts on this podcast. So thank you, Brian Roof. Uh, Josh, who is your 15th pick? I'm going, this is, maybe this is a surprise pick to some people who haven't, who've lived under a rock for, you know, for whatever amount of time. TCU, I'm a big, big Jamie Dixon believer this year. The amount of of talent that they bring back from a team that got hot at the end of the year last year, I think their top six players return. Guys like Mike Miles Jr., who could be very well be the all Big 12 uh, player of the year or, or point top point guard in the conference next year, Chuck O'Bannon, Eddie Lampkin, who was fantastic as a freshman last year, um, Damian Baugh, uh, Manuel Miller, who some people might not know this, but he's actually Leonard Miller's brother, the, the you know, very uh, – um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, a guy who's been somewhat mystical in his approach to the draft, the pre-draft process – um, and then, you know, Micah, Micah Peavy, who's got a real interesting set of tools as well. And they also bring in, you know, a guy like PJ Hagerty, who's um, maybe a little underrated on, on some of the national recruiting sites right now, but a really talented combo guard out of Crosby, Texas. I, I think TCU could, could potentially even challenge to win the Big 12 this year. That's how high I am on, on the uh, Horned Frogs. Wow, that's, that's high. Would it change your opinion? And it shouldn't, because I agree with you. They're set up to be fantastic. Damian Baugh is not expected to return next year. That was a a recent, uh, I think, two days ago. Um, Now, it's not certain. You know, he certainly could return. But there, there are rumblings that he is not going to come back next year. However, I agree with you. I think this is a team that, given what, players stepped up last year and and if people know about me they know that i am a big believer in the freshman to sophomore jump i am not a big believer in any other jump unless you change teams or change coaches um and having you know micah pv mike miles eddie lampkin and i understand you know a couple of them that it wasn't their first season last year but but having those players returning you know, as experienced players who had that experience, especially a really tight game that could have gone either way um, against Arizona. Um, this is a team that I think is set up to play really well and you lose Bob, but your prime freshman recruit plays a, you know, a point guard position and can come in play either on the ball or off the ball alongside miles. And I think they're set up to, to, to play really well. And, and again, like you said, Jamie Dixon is an excellent coach. And I think people, because of the downturn of TC over the last couple of years, have forgotten that. Right. Okay. So number 16 on the list, Connor, who is your team? 
I went with a team that plays, quote, the most efficient brand of basketball, unquote, in the country. They return 100% of the players that showed up for their optional shoot around before their first round game in the NCAA tournament last year. That's efficient. Um, <laughs> Is it though? Okay, it wasn't efficient when it happened, but it's efficient now. <laughs> it's one player. They return one player. He's going to miss the first half of the season. Um, but they returned the front court, which was the biggest bright spot, I feel like, at the end of last year. Uh, and that's Alabama. Um, look, they, they bring in Mark Sears from Ohio, one of the better mid-major to, to high-major guard transfers um, out there. They return Noah Gurley and Charles Bediaco. Uh, who are both fantastic players. They bring in two five stars that can play really solid wing positions for them. And as soon as Javon Quinterly is healthy and he was the guy I think they needed to return because he was the clearly the work ethic part of that team last year. This is a team that could fall apart because that's just Alabama or they could be the Alabama team that, you know, can make, six, seven threes and shoot the rest of their shots from two feet from the basket and beat a team like Houston or like North Carolina or, or any of the other teams that we've put ahead of them. So, um, you know, once, once you get to this spot, I, I feel like going with the efficient team that has guys that have proven to have work ethic and have proven to have experience, uh, especially in the backcourt with, with Quinterly and Sears. Um, I, I like the Crimson Tide you know, as that fourth or fifth team in the SEC, but the top of the SEC is extremely strong this year. I'm just really interested to see which spaces are more wild next year, Arkansas, Alabama, or Auburn. They're all going to just like coagulate together into one right. loud, <laughs> angry space. Um, okay, my pick... Number 17, this is dependent on whether or not he returns. He's pretty likely to be gone. So this may be a reach, but I like a lot of the talent that remains on this roster. I have the Illinois Fighting Illini as my 17th ranked team in the country with Kofi Coburn potentially returning. And if not, that just allows spacing and further development for what I th think was one of the bright spots of a pretty down Big Ten, which is Coleman Hawkins. This is one of those programs that is just maddening to watch every season. And they kind of define for me what the Big Ten is right now, which is this mess of lots of talent, but weird coaching styles and poor refereeing. And, you know, I, I don't buy any big 10 teams this year, really, but Illinois is one of the ones I probably buy the least of near the top simply because I just don't ever trust them anymore. Yeah. And I understand that. I think, I think Sky Clark and Terrence Shannon are an interesting combo in the backcourt, two new additions to the team. Um, I think there could even be addition to, by subtraction in terms of the offensive play with Kofi Coburn leaving. Uh, like I said, Coleman Hawkins has has the ability to be in college kind of a less efficient 
by far. I mean, nobody's going to be as efficient as him. But he has the ability to be a 3 and D type player as Chet was in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it really comes down to how that team comes together. And I always think of when Steven Gentry returned from Illinois to Gonzaga, there's these stories that come out about how Brad Underwood appreciated him on his staff because he learned new play like every day, which also is like, bro, how are you like learning a new play every day from your assistant? (laughs) That's kind of concerning. Um, So yeah, we'll see. I think that the big 10 is up for grabs. And I think that somebody, somebody has got to join Michigan in the fray. And I feel like it's Illinois or maybe two other teams. Yeah, this could be the year. I think, I mean, Illinois is might be that team. Um, there's there's a couple of other teams that I feel like are going to be in the fray. This is this is the year I, I feel like if Michigan doesn't run away with the Big Ten, um, it's a disappointment for them. I mean, because I don't I don't think there's a team out there in the Big Ten that's going to like just come out and be in Arizona, right? It, it's if it's close, it's because. You know, some of these teams get in the back half of the top 25 and Michigan drops into that kind of 20 range. So, but um, Illinois, I'm going to stay as far away from Illinois as possible. Not because I don't think they have talent, just because I I just don't trust them, especially if Kofi Coburn doesn't return. I just don't trust that team. (laughs) I'm fascinated by Brad Underwood, just in general, like that guy seems like a, a trip and a half. So uh, let's let's watch the festivities take place. Josh, who's your number eighteen team? Yeah, from entrenched coach who generally underperforms, uh, maybe to a new coach who exceeded wildly exceeded expectations last year at Fordham, um, Kyle Neptune and the Villanova Wildcats. Um, I know they lost a lot in Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. I know that Justin Moore's got that Achilles issue that might potentially bleed deep into the season. However, I do have to say that I'm pretty impressed by the recruiting class that's coming in that Kyle Neptune has been able to keep so far that Jay Wright put together with Cam Whitmore, um, one of the top 15 players in the country and a McDonald's All-American uh, wing. Um, and then um, also the third highest rated recruit in program history, which is pretty impressive if you think about the, the success that Villanova has enjoyed under Jay Wright's tenor. Um, they also have a top 50 guy in Mark Armstrong, who is really talented out of, out of New Jersey and kind of underappreciated, in my opinion. Um and then, you know, guys like Brandon Slater, Eric Dixon, Caleb Daniels, there, there's a lot of, of experienced players left on this roster. And I just I think that Kyle Neptune has the ability to take this team and, and lead them uh, into the tournament uh, with without too much issue because he, he knows that style of play that Jay Wright loved to play. And he was there for so long. He knows that system in and out. Um, you know, I just see I see continuity. Yeah, I, and it's and it's Villanova, and, and people are going to look at Kyle Neptune as an external hire. He's not. I mean, it would be the same thing as if he stayed at Villanova and a year and then got promoted. Um, he led Fordham to its best season in the A10, and how long? Probably one of the better ones in the last two decades. Right. Um, 
And so it, you're not going to lose out on the culture that has made Villanova one of the best programs in the country. Um, and you still have the players that understand that culture and can help maintain it going forward. So I, I like Villanova, especially, you know, in the, you know, they're definitely a top 25 team. And so where better to put them than kind of just on that inside of the top 20. Okay. Well, I just am really curious about Kyle, Kyle Neptune as like, is he, I understand that he's from the same pedigree. He was tootle or he had tutelage under Jay Wright, but it's just, it's just kind of interesting to think about like, is he going to depend on that? That's, like starting lineup to the same degree that Jay Wright traditionally does. Is he going to do rotation similarly? Is he going to implement a similar system? I think there's a lot of moving parts that make that a really intriguing team to watch this year. Number. Sorry, Google Docs is freezing. Number 19. Connor, who do you have? He is, he is the next coach that has become synonymous with a defensive style. You had Bayheim with the zone. You had Tony Bennett with the pack line. Mark Adams and Texas Tech with their no middle defense. They have excellent shooting. Uh, they added the uh, the point guard Davian Harmon, who has been in the Big Twelve, kind of landed in their lap uh, after there's been word that um, his transfer recruiting has been a little bit of a of a lampooning by his previous coach. Um, they added one of the best transfer bigs in Fardos AMAC. And so it, I just, Texas tech is that team up there with, you know, the Virginia of, of the previous decade and the uh, you know, Syracuse for most of the early two thousands where their defense is going to keep them in the top 25 for as long as their offense is serviceable. Their offense doesn't have to be created. It just has to be serviceable. But when you have guys like O'Banner who can pick, pick and pop Harmon can run the point guard um, this Texas tech team, I feel like you just, you just have to trust them. They, they added uh DeMorian Williams, who's a, a three point specialist can, can hit threes. I mean, you just, you just have to trust that their offense is going to score enough where their defense can lead them to a, another top 25 finish. Yeah. I, I've been on the Texas tech train all year last year. Um, I, I love Mark Adams as a coach. I think he's that he, he's almost underrated still, even after being a national coach of the year conversations this past season. Um, and like you said, like the offense just has to arrive and be there potentially a couple of plays a game and the team somehow can find a way to win. So um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a great pick. I think honestly, they'll, they might even be ranked higher than 19 at some point this year, but um, yeah, I, I love it. And it's interesting too, because they just hired Steve green as an assistant on that team and Steve green uh, Juco coach was one of the founding principal makers of the of the offense of the golden state warriors run and believe me red raider nation has been running with that uh basically saying you want you want to know what texas tech's offense is gonna look like look at golden state which uh bump the brakes a little bit but you know fart house is a three level score if you watch the tape let's let's see yeah. let's see <laughs> all right number 20 
I have what could be a similar argument as the Creighton Blue Jays in terms of team that had a successful season with a lot of returning components coming back. Another mid-major sweetheart. I have the Dayton Flyers as my pick. I think the returning cast of Malachi Smith, Kobe Elvis, is going to be phenomenal. They have a top 100 player coming in that I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to try. Mike Charavamjins. If I if I say it in a question, it's, it's, it's correct. And I'm sure if Brian's listening to this, he's totally not cringing. But... They have a lot of returning components to be great. I think that Deron Holmes is going to be a solid front court player yet again. And I think that Dayton has as good of a shot as any mid-major as punching a ticket as a, as a top three, top four seed. Yeah, they were, they were kind of on the outside looking in last year for most of the season, but I, I do love everything they bring back. I was a little upset that you picked them before I did here um but you know they they just they got a lot of talent come, uh, returning and and really like you know anthony uh grant has done a tremendous job at dayton so far uh under his tenor so i'm just i i, I think they're kind of primed to like re-arrive on the scene yeah if it wasn't for their one and three start where they lost to umass lowell lipscomb Austin P like they would probably have been in the tournament last year. Um, after that start, they finished 23 and eight. So they went, what, 22 and five down the stretch jumped over 75 spots in Ken Palm. Um, this is a team that returns that cast that showed steady improvement over the course of last year. They have athleticism, especially in Tamani Kamara. Um, and, and I just, I mean, there's, it's going to be a battle atop the A-10, I feel like, but Dayton it will open up as one of the two, maybe three favorites in that conference. All right. Josh, who do you have? All right. this I don't know if this is going to shock many people if you paid attention to the end of last season, but Texas A&M. I, I, this is one of those teams like TCU where – they just have so much returning. Um, they returned most of their roster last year that went deep into the SEC tournament and then got to the NIT championship game. They really only lost Quentin Jackson. And, you know, they bring back so much athleticism at the guard positions. Um, and, and then a lot of transfers as well. Guys like uh, Dexter Dennis and, you know, K.K. Robinson out of Arkansas, uh, Julius Marble out of Michigan State. Um, Anderson Garcia out of Mississippi State, and then a, a relatively underrated recruit, uh, Solomon Washington out of New Orleans. He's one of the more, more I would say, underrated players in the country, right, right around 156 right now in the in the 24/7 rankings. But but ultimately, uh, what I like most about the Aggies is just they're they're well coached. They they play with this heart and hustle, um, you know, and and I think that they could potentially challenge uh in the sec next year i don't know if they, they have enough to get over kentucky but i could see them right in the mix number two number three in that conference um potentially even better than auburn sorry guys <laughs> yeah they just have to care about games after but you know they just have to care about games before february if they do that they have a good chance 
Yeah. And, and like Buzz Williams is an incredible coach. Um, he finished with 20 wins in 10 of his 15 seasons. Uh, and I feel like last year should have been their first trip to the NCAA tournament since he took over what was kind of a mess when he took over Texas A&M. Um, but if even they build on that just marginally, this is a team that should be kind of flirting with the top 25 and definitely make the tournament this year. All right. Number 22 on the list. Who do you have, Connor? They burned me last year, uh, but I'm, I'm sticking with them because they're no longer a, a group of misfits that are trying to fit together. Um, they should be fit together by now. And I'm going to go with the Texas Longhorns. Look, you bring back Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen um, and you know, Christian Bishop is, is there. So I just, those three, I feel like, especially at the end of last year, you really started to see it click a little bit. And Marcus Carr, when he's on his game, um, and and Timmy Allen, who was their best player last year for most of last year, um, those are two offensive weapons that you can really build around. And, and I feel like Chris Beard, he's a good coach. Last year was a little bit of just a mess, but I, I don't think it's going to carry over to this year. And so I'm going to stick with the Longhorns being a top 25 team. That's going to be such an interesting team to follow. Just, just from the fact that it did seem like they put it together, like you said, towards the end. Um, but yeah, I, I'm intrigued by where they find offense with that team. Yeah. I mean, they, they bring in, and this is me as a whack fan. Um, they bring in Serge Barry Rice, uh, who is a three-time all-whack player. So they, they bring in some talent. It's not like they're just running it back uh, from the mess they had last year, but certainly I feel like those, those key pieces in that rotation are going to fit together a little bit better than they did last year. All right. Adding to the list is my number 23 pick. Got a little bit greedy with the A-10, doing a twofer. One of these got, one of these has to stick. I am taking the St. Louis Billikens. And honestly, I feel like you could take, you could flip the Billikens and the Flyers in a lot of ways in these rankings. I think both of them had the potential to be flirt with the top 15 if, if all things go according to plan. Um, basically, I'm banking on a major return from Javante Perkins. Uh, he lost, he lost his season last year before it even started. Uh, they were able to keep Yuri Collins, which was which was huge for them when he entered the portal. This is a team that was great without their best player or potentially best player, and and they have all the makings to be just as potent, if not more. Yeah, I I'm a big Travis Ford believer. I think that um, the Billikens had a lot of talent last year, and like you said, just it didn't quite fit together because of injuries and things like that. But, you know, ultimately um, this team is primed to, to make a, a good run this year. And, you know, like John rostin has been saying, they tend to potentially get, you know, two or three teams in the top 25 this year. Um, that's not out of the question. Yeah. I think that front court of transfer Javon Pickett from Missouri and then returning Francis Okoro, that's just going to be a pain in the ass to deal with. Yeah, and, and you were smart 
picking two A10 teams because if we know if we've learned anything about the A10, it's that the team that's picked to win the A10 generally does not. <laughs> um, so, so going with two, you're you're hedging your bets pretty well there, Tuck. Thank you, thank you, Josh. Who is your next selection? I'm going with Virginia. Um, you know, they they actually surprisingly bring back a lot more than people probably thought they would. Um, you know, I think all five starters and their top six scores are going to be back. Kihei Clark, this is a guy who was there for the national championship wins several years ago at this point. Um, and then, you know, Jaden Gardner, Reese Beekman, Armand uh, Franklin, and Caden Shedrick, just lots, lots of, of talent coming back. And then they got the the prize, their prize in the transfer portal in, in Vin Va- uh, Vanderplas from Ohio. This is a guy who averaged about 14 and seven last year. He's going to be a big piece in that front court. Um, they bring in a top 60 player in the country in Isaac Trout from uh, Nebraska. Um, they've got a guy like Isaac McNeely, Leon Bond, both also top 60 players. I think that this team could potentially, um, you know, be right in that mix, top three, top four in the ACC this year in a much improved, I, I might add, ACC this year. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Virginia is maybe a little under the radar right now, but they, they could even settle higher than 24 in the country by, by year's end. Tony Bennett is not dead yet, folks. Lay off the dirt. Connor, who is your 25th pick? I believe this is my first pick west of the Rockies. Um, I'm going to go with the team that I think, especially if David Roddy leaves, is the clear favorite to win the Mountain West, and that's San Diego State. Um, When Matt Bradley... Uh, announced that he was going to be returning. Um, that gave them a, a huge boost and immediately kind of propelled them into this top 25 discussion. But you beat out uh, Michigan State for Oakland transfer Micah Parrish. You bring in Darian Trammell from Seattle U, who's been a top defensive player pretty much everywhere he's stopped on his way to get to San Diego State. Uh, Lamont Butler, Adam Seco, Um, both coming back. Uh, There was rumblings that there's potential for Nathan Mensa to exercise his extra year. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's an, it's a possibility. Um, But even if he doesn't, I mean, this is a team that if you have Jaden Leday playing that five and you've got the pieces you have and Matt Bradley, who kind of can put the team on his back at times, um, I think they're going to flirt with the top 25 for most of the season, probably settle right in there. It's like a five or a six seed in the tournament. Heart, heart defense. Let's go ask sex. Let's, let's see what you got. My final selection. Zip them up boys. is Sean Miller and the Xavier Musketeers. There's a lot, there's a lot yet to be determined, uh, but the return of Jack Nungy's big. I think that Colby Jones is going to be a fantastic return player. I think he's kind of being slept on. They're also getting in um, prospect Cam Craft, number 59 in the top 100. He's going to be a legitimate scorer. Uh, and 
and we're gonna hope and pray that UTEP transfer Sully Bone is going to be that guy that that's going to help them steady the backcourt. If if all things come together, the Big East is pretty open right now in Jay Wright's absence, so it could be Xavier's for the taking from the jump. I I think it's a a good safe pick um, because Sean Miller is a you know regardless of what people might think of him from his time in Arizona, he's actually a good coach. Um, you know, I think that he's out of all the new coaches in the big East this year. Um, he's the one who's most primed to, to potentially take advantage of that returning roster. The only other guy that might, you know, might be in a better space is Kyle Neptune, but you know, you could argue it both ways. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. And Sean Miller's not Travis Steele. So what killed Xavier has always been once you hit January, February, they just fall off a cliff. Sean Miller's teams have never had that really happen to them. And so given the talent, you know, they'll start playing well and they will finish the season playing just as well. We've got one more pick. Josh, who is it? So I I feel like this is maybe the biggest value pick of the bunch and that's because this team could their ceiling is a lot higher than 27 and that's that's indiana i think the hoosiers bring in a lot of talent to surround a very very strong supporting cast that's already returning guys like trace jackson davis who just recently announced he's coming back i think he's a national player of the year candidate this year um i think that that xavier johnson and uh, miller cop race thompson trey galloway tamar bates they they have a lot of talent returning on that roster and then they bring in two five-star guys and jalen hood shafino and uh, Malik Renu, both out of Montverde. Um, and then Caleb uh, Banks, top 100 guy out of Georgia. They, they, are, they are primed to take Mike Woodson deep into the tournament if he can just get them all to play together. And I think as any Indiana coach in recent memory is going to be capable of that, it's, it's Mike Woodson. He's a player's guy. Um, Trace Jackson Davis mentioned recently that Carmelo Anthony told him he was his favorite coach in the NBA that in the entire time he was playing. And, um, you know, I did, I think Mike Woodson just gets his guys rallied and ready to go. I could see them win the big 10 this year, to be honest. Damn. Carmelo, Carmelo didn't say George Carl. That's wild. <laughs> Shockingly. I mean, when, when every coach has wasted your career, you know, the one that wasted it the least is going to be your favorite. But Damn, poor Terry Stotts. <laughs> Indiana is going to pick and roll you to death. And it works. Um, and so, you know, no, I don't think any of us are as high on them as Talia Goodman is because she put Indiana in national championship. Where's she going sentence. to school, by the way? <laughs> um, somewhere in Bloomington. I, I forget the name, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think, I mean, I, I would personally have Indiana second in the big 10. Um, but I think kind of the three listed, uh, are the three that you're looking at as potential kind of second weekend, final four contenders. So weak big 10. Um, but, uh, Indiana has just as good a, a shot at winning it as, as anyone not named Michigan. 
It's it's interesting to to think about what the Big Ten is going to look like in March when they don't have the preseason hype of having all this talent and depth in the top twenty five rankings. Um, yeah, plenty of stuff to pick apart. Uh, like I said to start this podcast, this is absolutely without a doubt going to be the way that these things shake out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, it is. The last week of May or so. So who knows? Maybe we all need to come together second week of June to actually do this all over again because half of the guys are on different teams. Well, well yeah, everything's going to change in the next eight days when team when players have to pull out of the draft, right? We're yeah, we're looking eight days in the future and trying to predict the mess that's going to be. Yeah. Well, luckily this is going to be saved forever. Uh, all right. Connor Hope, Josh Linky, thank you so much, fellas, for breaking this down. We will be back next week.